Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Chinese subsidized electric vehicles flooding European markets. This month, President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, announced that she would launch an anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese-made electric vehicles. She claims the prices for the cars are kept artificially low, quote-unquote, by huge state subsidies. She added that global markets are now flooded with these cheaper cars, which distorts our market, quote-unquote. Now, the decision comes after EU data indicate that China's share of the new energy car market in Europe has risen to 8% and could probably reach 15% by 2025. Now, the good news is the 10th China-European Union high-level economic and trade dialogue is being held on Monday. The first of these talks held in three years and the disputes over the EU probe into Chinese-made electric vehicles are expected to top the agenda. So why are Chinese-made EVs particularly competitive? Has China kept prices artificially low by subsidizing car manufacturers? And how will the anti-subsidy probe affect China-EU ties? Welcome to this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined here in the studio by Professor Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics at the University of International Business and Economics from Milan, Italy by Daniel Gross, Director of the Institute for European Policymaking at uh, Bocconi University and from Miami, the United States by Professor John Quelch from Herbert Business School of the University of Miami. Gentlemen, welcome to The Point. So first of all, let's lay out the big picture. Here are some numbers. In total, China has surpassed, for the first half of this year, Japan to become the world's largest auto exporter from China's Association of Automobile Manufacturers. Numbers, we can see that China's auto exports totaled 2.94 million in the first eight months. That's almost 3 million cars, including new energy cars, electric vehicles, and on top top of that, uh, new energy car exports in total for the first eight months of this year reached 727,000 cars. That's an increase year on year of 110%. And for the month of August alone, it's uh, about 90,000 new energy cars and electric vehicles is a major part of that. Meanwhile, Europe is a top destination of Chinese electric vehicles, if not the top destination of Chinese-made vehicles, followed by Southeast Asia. Nearly half of China's EV exports go to Europe for the first half of this year, and the number are growing exponentially. So, Professor Liu, yes. exactly what factors account for the exponential growth of Chinese-made uh, electric vehicles? There are a number of factors. On the policy front, uh, one is that the uh, uh, Chinese government has been opening more of its uh, in, uh, industrial sector, particularly in the auto industry, for the e-vehicles for foreign investment into China. So you can see that uh, most of the exports actually uh, end, ending up in the uh, EU market are really joint ventures and also uh, they are also funded by foreign capital. And uh, the other is that uh, China is uh, very much resolved to go for the carbon 
the uh, Peking and carbon neutrality with a very close agenda committed to the world by President Xi, and therefore all industries are really stepping up uh, their measures to go for uh, the uh, more of uh, environmentally uh, friendly operation, and uh, that course includes the, uh, all the car companies, uh, be it uh, Joint Ventures and be it Tesla uh, as a solely owned operation and be of, uh, of course, the Chinese uh, uh, own indigenous uh, automakers. And thirdly, it's uh, uh, also that uh, the government uh, has a slew of policies to encourage the use of the uh, e-vehicles in China, for example. If you have the conventional uh, cars, you've got to have a very tough time dealing with lottery uh, in, order, in to, order to get your license plate. In order to get your license plate because of the traffic jam, because of, of, of also the auto emission. And uh, that really paved a very solid base for the Chinese uh, uh, e-vehicles to grow. And the other factor is market-driven because uh, the uh, automakers, they are very savvy over uh, what is really lying ahead to boost the particular industry. So therefore, when EU is uh, really facing a very tough time uh, in the uh, Ukraine crisis uh, for the energy supply, and they are also uh, very much re uh, dedicated to the uh, green transition, and uh, then the Chinese e-vehicles can really come to the aid of EU, and uh, this is uh, gaining more popularity from the market be it dealers, be it consumers, and be, the, uh, be it the market. So therefore, uh, it is really a very positive push uh, from the Chinese side, and also that's part of the contribution for the Chinese uh, uh, efforts to uh, have the green trans transition to the world. Mr. Gross, a little bit of analysis uh, will tell us that uh, the leading recipients uh, or destination of Chinese-made EVs were Belgium, the UK and Thailand. What is the understanding on the European side about why all of a sudden Chinese-made electric vehicles are really coming in large numbers over the past three years, the annual growth rate um, number in 100-200%? Viewed from the European automobile industry, of course, this is very unfortunate because the European market has stagnated over the last years. And now you see this flood of new Chinese vehicles, which are of increasingly high quality. Viewed from the European consumers, of course, a good thing. But uh, the European Commission is confronted with these complaints from the producers uh, in Europe who see their market share shrinking. And uh, they, of course, think that some of the factors that the colleague uh, in Beijing mentioned constitute actually state aid. So if the state gives cheap capital to uh, new uh, battery producers, then, of course, they can become more competitive. But uh, we in Europe would consider that state aid at giving Chinese producers an unfair advantage, hence the probe. Okay, we'll, we'll discuss what is uh, allowed under international rules such as WTO agreements and what is not allowed. That is uh, a discussion to be had. But I want to get uh, Professor Quelch's observation uh, looking from the United States. We understand actually among the brands that are produced in China but exported to the world, including to Europe, uh, also include American brands, American car makers, for instance, Tesla is actually uh, by now the largest Chinese-made car that's been exported to Europe, followed by Saig or BID or Geely Auto. So how is the situation being analyzed in the United States? 
The Chinese uh, EVs have not penetrated the U.S. to the same degree that they have penetrated Europe yet, but there is considerable concern uh, among the top U.S. producers as well as the United Auto Workers Union, which is currently on strike in the U.S., concern about the transition to EV manufacture and the risk to traditional auto jobs in the U.S. of that transition. That having been said, I think it's uh, worth noting that 50 years ago, exactly the same scenario played out when Honda and Toyota and other Japanese auto manufacturers achieved high quality, low price production and exported uh, to Europe and the rest of the world and were blocked one way or the other by such anti-dumping complaints or tariffs or quotas from delivering to global consumers the quality price product that uh, global consumers could benefit from. So I think it's a little bit odd, frankly, that having taken a significant initiative in this area of EV production, that China is now being penalized by the very countries that have been championing their virtue with respect to embracing uh, carbon emissions reduction in automobiles. It's a little bit odd as well as unfortunate and you know, perhaps even hypocritical. Let's take a look at uh, the quality of Chinese-made EVs first because um, people are very curious at this moment. Even European automobile manufacturers are saying, for instance, Renault's chief executive said that China was very competitive in electric vehicle market and that Chinese electric cars are one generation ahead of us. And according to autom automotive News Europe. The key message from the Munich Auto Show is also that Europe needs to catch up on EV. From Reuters, again from the Hanol CEO, China very competitive. Europe needs to catch up. Um, Professor Liu, exactly what explain is that an endorsement, let's say, of, of the quality of Chinese-made EVs? How are Chinese-made vehicles able to catch up? What explains the level of quality? The overall Chinese strategy, for particularly for the 14th five-year plan is to go for high quality growth and uh, auto industry is uh, playing so much an important role to uh, lead on the uh, Chinese economy, particularly uh, ahead uh, in terms of the high quality growth. So therefore, government and uh, uh, capitalists and also the manufacturers are pretty much uh, resolved to move ahead. And uh, now, one advantage is that China has a very complete ecosystem in building cars and uh, uh, sourcing uh, from uh, all the industrial clusters that can quickly come up with a uh, complete car. And the other is that uh, actually if you talk about the subsidies from the government, every government is really subsidizing a promising industry. but. Uh, uh, more of the Chinese government is uh, uh, subsidy is uh, there to boost their innovation, which is uh, permissible under any uh, global rules. And uh, therefore, the type of uh, uh, the kaijin uh, type, as uh, practiced by Japanese uh, uh, 30 or 20 years ago, uh, is re really implementing in large uh, in large scale across the industries. And plus, the uh, the competition really drives car companies to race forward. Uh, although you know. 
know, some of the car companies are still uh, having uh, a red in their financial books. The financial market uh, sees the promise ahead and they continue to fuel uh, the growth uh, on scale and a scope and also, of course, support improvement of the technology. And so the, uh, lastly, I think it is really the Chinese market who gave them the right type of inducement that uh, even if they uh, encounter some of the bumps in the road uh, pathway to the United States, to Europe, the uh, Chinese consumer market is big enough and plus that we are also supported by the Belt and Road countries. Uh, therefore, uh, there is a, a huge confidence within investors and the manufacturers that they are able to recoup on their investment. And there's also hope that uh, uh, there's going to be a double-digit growth in their profitability uh, within the next five years. Mr. Gross, what are, what are your reactions? I mean, are European governments or manufacturers freaking out because these uh, Chinese-made cars are not just good but also cheaper as well? What is your understanding of how China is able to make that happen? It's not just with government aid. It is quite clear that government aid has played a role, but has not been the only or maybe even the main determining factor. But that is little solace for uh, automobile manufacturers in Europe, especially the French ones, which operate more in the cheaper, smaller car segment. German automobile producers have been much more relaxed because they think with their high-end luxury brands, they can withstand the competition. Well, that's the case, we'll see in the future. But uh, they also have a huge stake in the Chinese market, and uh, they fear that Chinese might take retaliatory measures if the EU probe then finds that uh, China does subsidize and therefore the EU imposes some countervailing duties. So in Europe, it's a very mixed picture. Not everybody has welcomed this probe. There's a bit of a Franco-German tussle there, with the German being more relaxed about the competition so far. Why have European car makers lagged behind in terms of developing e-vehicles, Mr. Gross? It's the typical story of the incumbents, uh, of the people who are the big ones in the field, uh, thinking that the world will not change. And uh, the European car makers, especially the German ones, we're very good at producing uh, motors, internal combustion engines. That was their specialty. And therefore, they didn't invest enough in batteries, uh, battery technologies, and in electrical motors. And now they have to catch up. Uh, my view, personal view, would be that competition will force them to catch up, and they will be able to do so. But of course, the uh, European Commission uh, is also under pressure from the French and thinks something must be done. Let's at least see whether there's a case mm. for imposing some duties on Chinese imports. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Ms. von der Leyen said that global markets, quote unquote, are now flooded with cheaper electric cars from China, she meant, and their price is kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. Professor Quelch, what do you think she exactly means by state subsidies and uh, what kind of subsidies are allowed under WTO rules? What kind of subsidies are not allowed? Your understanding? Well, I certainly agree with uh, the previous speakers. You know, with respect to subsidies around innovation in technology, these are clearly permissible by uh, WTO rules. When it comes to direct price subsidies, 
It seems that we have lost Professor Crouch there, but we'll try to reestablish the line in just a moment. Well, well let we me take, uh, take this question. Uh, yes. uh, because uh, by WTO rule, actually, it's uh, very simple, uh, non-discrimination, uh, non and uh, uh, therefore dumping, particularly by subsidy over the uh, skill development of companies, is not really permissible. And the fact that uh, China is uh, uh, facing a disadvantage in that because uh, Europe uh, still has not really recognized the market economy status in China, they uh, likely use the third-party analog to measure the Chinese cost levels. Uh, well, having said that, uh, actually, Chinese uh, exports uh, is really uh, there to boost the competition with Europe and wake, uh, wake up their inertia. So therefore, this is really uh, much of the helpful. And uh, plus that uh, it is really the US, uh, the US and also the uh, EU distributors who have a very strong voice uh, to uh, welcome the cheaper and uh, competitive and good quality vehicles. And thirdly, it's uh, when China has to open or uh, wider for the auto manufacturer within China, because it's not only the E part of the vehicles, but uh, it's the complete quality. That is really cons. Now, the Volkswagen, okay. BMW, and many other, they are really investing in China for so many years and uh, attracted by the Chinese mm -hmm. consumption market. Yeah. And they add also to the total quality of the Chinese uh, car industries well, uh, in the uh, entire landscape. As we speak, German investment in China is reaching the second highest level in record for the first half of this year. We'll get to that in just a moment, but let's, let's get back to Professor Quelch, if you can. Actually, uh, the WTO specifically prohibits two kinds of subsidies. One is to prohibit that a kind of a subsidy when it's granted by a WTO member government, if it is for, to boost export on export performance, that is uh, one kind of subsidy that is uh, prohibited under WTO subsidies agreement, and the other is on the use of domestic over imported goods, meaning discriminating against other uh, imported exports, and these are prohibited subsidies, are commonly referred to as export subsidies or import substitution subsidies. Okay, it gets a little bit uh, nerdy here, but Professor Quelch, your understanding as to what kind of subsidies can be allowed and what kind of subsidies can, uh, will not be allowed, and whether the EU, if it decides to launch a probe, can it do it in an objective manner? The EU will look in particular at uh, capacity for EV production in China, uh, not just of the finished vehicle, but also of the components, especially uh, the battery components. They will assess whether or not domestic Chinese consumption is inordinately below the level of capacity for production. Uh, they will then look at whether or not the export prices of uh, the cars that are being sent to Europe is below that of the pricing in the Chinese market. And in these various ways, they will determine whether or not there are these export subsidies that you refer to. Can the uh, EU conduct an objective um, examination? Uh, yes, I believe it can. Uh, I believe, as uh, Mr. Gross has uh, indicated, that there is division within Europe that uh, this initiative uh, regarding the uh, anti-dumping um, review, uh, that this is really being conducted at the behest of the French and that, uh, uh, mm -hmm. as has been said, 
the Germans are much more relaxed. I mean, Volkswagen, for example, has 13% market share in China. It sold 3 million plus vehicles in China last year. It's just invested $700 million joint venture with uh, a Chinese uh, EV manufacturer. The German companies are fully invested and committed to the China China market, and they don't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. The French don't have that kind of uh, investment, and so they're happy to cause some trouble. Mr. Gross, your reaction, we understand that there are three kinds of complaints that can be raised uh, about any anti-dumping investigation, if it is uh, from the industry, if it is from the European Commission, or if it is from a European member state. But this time, the investigation comes from the European Commission, not the industry, mind uh, this this factor. Why is that? What does that tell us about the the possible probe? It tells us... uh two things. In the first instance, this will be a European initiative, not a national one. And secondly, if it's done by the European Commission, uh, then also China can challenge it at the WTO. So uh, it can check whether the investigation was actually objective, whether it followed all the technical rules that were discussed earlier. And that will be the key point. In the end, uh, there are independent arbitrators from the WTO, from the World Trade Organization, that will look at this and will decide whether Europe, the Commission, has a point or not. Who ultimately will gain from this if a punitive uh, tariff is imposed on Chinese-made vehicles in Europe? Mr. Gross, last question. Um, The European consumer will certainly lose. I think uh, everybody loses when you put uh, these uh, measures in place. But maybe they also serve as a way to wake up European industry so that they get more uh, competitive and produce better and cheaper cars. Professor Liu, you wanted to chip in just now. What is your reaction? The uh, Lieben's statement is only an assumption. Uh, It's not really a conclusion. Uh, That is why uh, Europe needs to uh, launch for the next 13 months over the, such a probe. If uh, she is really making conc- a conclusion, there will be no probe. And the, uh, the other issue is that uh, even if China is really selling at lower price, the, by WTO rules, you have to measure whether there is a material injury to the particular industry. And uh, third, uh, eventually the decision will have to be made based on the uh, calculation of cost and benefit to the European market because uh, uh, all the member uh, states really they have a very different stake in this uh, particular industry. And plus, if we look at a larger picture from 2008, uh, there has been 431 cases launched uh, against the Chinese imports into uh, EU. Actually. 78% really, I mean, uh, around the globe uh, are really targeting to China. Actually, many of those cases are either nullified in the end because investigation didn't prove uh, there is uh, uh, any substantial ground to uh, levy countervailing duties over the Chinese exports. And uh, the other is that uh, eventually, you know, many of those cases are solved through conciliation. And so I think now with the uh, dialogue program uh, uh, over trade and, and uh, economics between China and the EU, mm-hmm. I hope that uh, there was a, a previous case of dealing with solar panels. Uh, you know, we can really solve this issue mm-hmm. on an amicable manner for the mutual benefit of a long-term goal between China and EU.
Professor Quelch, what is the um, lesson, if I can say, from the U.S.'s trade war on China, which has uh, lost to everybody's standard so far, although the United States refused to, to uh, recognize that? What is the best way to deal with this challenge for China, for the EU, for the manufacturers, for the European consumers? Well, first of all, I would agree with you that uh, the Trump uh, tariffs have been a, an abject failure. All that's happened is that uh, a certain portion of uh, U.S. imports have been shifted to other countries, primarily in Asia. Uh, but in many cases, that production in these other countries has been supplied by China-owned plants that have been set up in those countries. Uh, so the notion that these tariffs have somehow uh, decoupled the U.S. from uh, China by shifting supply chains significantly uh, is fallacious. I, I think personally that the global consumer is not being well served by these kinds of blockages that are being placed on uh, and it's not just this case, but as uh, uh, the professor has indicated, many cases of attempts to block high-quality Chinese exports into world markets. And this is to the detriment of the prosperity of consumers in these markets. And as has been pointed out, there are many distributors and dealers in uh, what about the U foreign U manufacturers? US and European auto markets yeah. who want to... Well, the foreign to, manufacturers uh, won't be happy these products. because the Chinese manufacturing, it, the foreign manufacturers are not happy because Chinese manufacturing is so powerful and we cannot make ourselves not so good in manufacturing things. So what is the solution that we join joint venture and produce things together, cheaper, better? To underscore your point, Warren Buffett, the greatest American investor, invested over 10 years ago heavily in BYD. And if Detroit, if General Motors, Ford and Stellantis did not get a signal from that, then it's unfortunate for them and their shareholders that they were so myopic. You know, I think the Tesla example that you mentioned earlier shows that there is innovation and thought leadership in this sector not just in China, but also in the U.S., and I'm okay. sure in Europe as well. And those innovators should not be held back in order to protect incumbents who failed to adapt fast enough to necessary change to deal with the climate change situation. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got The Point.